Welcome to the C3 Church Watson podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. And now we're going to to look at the sword of the Spirit ourselves, the Word of God. And we're reading from Jonah chapter 2 as part of our Jonah series this month. All of Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. Have you been there in your life where you felt engulfed? I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you've driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you. In your holy temple, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. So here he is in chapter 2, having a whale of a time. He was, he was just sitting there chewing on some blubber gum. He'd gone to Finland. If there'd been some more whales there, they could have done a podcast. Have you had enough of that? Yes. All right. Let's get back to the Bible. So this uh, prayer is a prayer that at the time when... Jonah was praying. He didn't know if he was going to live or die. It was probably more likely that he was going to die. He had uh, had himself thrown over into a wild ocean and he didn't know what was going to happen next. He'd sort of given himself up to that and he didn't know what God was going to do. And it's interesting because what would you pray, what do you pray when you're in a, a position of, of uh, dire need? When you are... O- overwhelmed, when you are engulfed, what is the word that comes out? What is the, the thought of your heart? Because we all go through these times. And chapter 2 is a, a story that shows the progression, the, the journey of Jonah to renewed faith and, and an understanding of something he had no idea about, a thing called grace. Jonah had been doing what all of us humans have done ever since Adam and Eve, and that is we've run away from God. It's the story of humanity. We run and he chases us. We hide, he seeks. He wants to stop us from our self-destructive behavior. He wanted to stop the Ninevites from their self-destructive behavior, but he also wanted to stop Jonah 
from his self-destructive thinking about life. God wants us to know that this, this, our human existence is all about sin running away and grace chasing after us. It's like the a picture in your, your mind of, of a little toddler running toward a highway with cars zooming around and mum or dad chasing after, calling, come back, come back, come back, don't go there, don't go there, wanting to stop what could happen next. And God had arrested Noah. He'd stopped his, his movement. He had been asked to go 800 kilometers northeast of where he was. And he'd, been, he'd made a decision that he was going to go 4,000 kilometers to Spain west. Most commentators agree Tarshish was in Spain somewhere. Some say Turkey, but either way, it was not that way. And it was not by boat. God is annoying because he keeps interrupting us. He keeps telling us to do things that are not comfortable for us to do. And we keep running away and we keep hiding. It's not like we just hide when we do something wrong. It's we hide regularly. Uh, I know, God, I'll, I'll, look, I'll, uh, I'll pray this afternoon. I'm, I'm too busy right now to read the Bible, but I'll, I'll read twice as much tomorrow. Oh, don't tell me to go and talk to that person. They're so annoying. They're so nasty. They're always nasty to me. Why do you want me to be nice to them? God can be annoying like that. And Jonah did not feel like preaching to the Ninevites. He did not like the Ninevites. None of the Israelites liked the Ninevites. They had an ongoing multi-generational war between the two. The Assyrian Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. They'd keep coming in and they were brutal, cruel, violent people. The, the, Nahum, the book of Nahum, Nahum describes Nineveh as a city of blood, full of lies. And Jonah did not want to go and see them. It'd be like us being asked by God to go and stand in the middle of Tiananmen Square in China and to preach for all the Communist Party leaders to repent. He knew that there's a good chance that the response would be negative and that he, couldn't, he could possibly die by doing it. But that was not his problem. That was not his main issue. His main issue was that he did not get grace. He could not understand how could God possibly even give those idiots a sliver of a chance to be blessed. He went around preaching repent or else, but he really wanted the or else. I know people like this who are Christians, but they're really just waiting for God to slam everybody who's not a Christian. You better wait out, wait, watch out. I've got a beautiful spider web just floating across in front of me there. It's fantastic. He did not care about those people and he could not bear the thought that there's a possibility that God cared for them because he deep down had a false God and his false God was that God is really good to nice people. God is really good to good people and I'm going to be making sure that good people are looked after by God 
But those nasty people, they're going to get it. And you'll see when you read chapter 4 that he, he explains that what, that's the reason he ran away. And God said, hold it there. Stop right there. You haven't learned one most important lessons. Here he was. Jonah was a professional believer. He was a successful prophet. He would prophesy and say things to the king, and they'd come to pass. He had amazing gifts in his life. He did amazing things. And we can be like that too. And yet he missed the core nature of God. He missed the core nature of the gospel. And that is that grace is everything. And we have to ask ourselves, have I really got grace? Because whenever we wish that that person would not keep succeeding when I don't really like them, or why do people like that person when that person is nasty to me? We start to be challenged by grace. Why do we, I don't want to talk to this smelly person in the foyer who seems to be visiting our church. And I, no, I noticed someone else was smoking outside. I'm not going to talk to them because they're smoking. This person's not a believer. I'm going to stay clear of them. Grace is different. What is grace? Grace is when someone who has no obligation to be nice to someone gives a gift to someone who doesn't deserve a gift. That's grace. Grace is when God is under no obligation to love us. He's under no obligation to love the Ninevites, and yet he offers them the opportunity to turn and to avoid destruction. What Jonah doesn't realize is that Jonah needs grace as much as the Ninevites need grace. Because Jonah's good deeds, his fact that he's an Israeli, and the fact that he's a prophet of God does not mean that he qualifies at some, to some level of grace that the Ninevites don't qualify for. Because grace is all about being undeserving and not qualifying. So think about this. If you've got someone in, in your workplace comes to you and says, hey, have you noticed this lady? She's always bringing in cakes, being so nice to everybody, and she's sending Christmas cards. Why don't we do something nice for her? You don't have to do it, but why don't we all just chip in $5, give her a, a, a restaurant voucher, and you do that. But that's not grace. Because even though you're under no obligation to give this gift... She's deserving of a gift. Okay, what about this example? Maybe your, your boss says, okay, you get an email or a text, and the boss says, okay, you've got to come to the staff room at lunchtime. It's my birthday. I want you all to bring a poem that you've written about how awesome I am and uh, read it out in front of everybody. It's a North Korean party for the great leader. So the boss is undeserving but you're under obligation. That's not grace either. Grace is when you have a neighbour who's always complaining about where you park your car and when you have visitors, sometimes the, you know, a little bit of the rubber touches the curb on, on, outside his house. And when you have a pool party once a year, they call the police because you're probably going to be too loud. And then they, when they get sick, you go and visit them in hospital and you take in a gift for them, some chocolates or something, not laced with anything, 
not injected with some sort of rat poison, but a real genuine gift. You've, and that's grace. You're under no obligation to do anything nice to this person. You don't have to do it. And they do not deserve it. That's grace. Grace is not natural. Grace is supernatural. Grace changes everything. And that's what God has done for us. He didn't have to have any of this, but he did. He chose to. He's not under any obligation to love anybody, but he chose to come to earth to die for all of us. And we didn't deserve it. It's not like God said, wow, that is one good person over there. Oh, I'm going to come down and die for them. No, no one deserved it. We're completely undeserving. And, no, and Jonah did not get it. He kind of thought he was deserving. He kind of thought he was more deserving than those Ninevites. And the Ninevites were violent, cruel people. They invented tortures I won't mention here. But suffice to say, you wouldn't be wanting to live there. Just in the north of what's now Iraq. And the spiderweb has descended. God is full of grace. That's what God is like. Jonah was not full of grace. I am not going to preach to that pile of garbage because there's a chance that, that they'll repent and I don't want to give them that chance because then God will love them just like he always does. The disciples had the same issue with the Samaritans. How come you're talking to this woman from Samaria, Jesus? These, the, the Jews were not happy. How come this, the main person in Good Samaritan is a Good Samaritan? When the, an, a little village in Samaria did not accept Jesus' message, the disciples said, you beauty, so now can we call down fire and destroy them all? That's kind of the spirit of Jonah right there. And we can be like that as well. And that brings us to chapter 2. Look at the change in Jonah over the chapter. First of all, verse 2. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me. It's the first thing that Jonah did was cry out to God. He was in the middle of a storm and he cried out to God. You know, the start of a faith journey can, can be a, a cry, a cry from your heart, a genuine cry, a desperate cry to God. I've got three or four major cry-outs to God that, I, that I've done. I can look back and it's like a signpost to me reminding me of the times when God came through incredibly and lots of little signposts. Do you have any big cry-out moments to God? It's not just a matter of coming to church and doing a bit of worship, a bit of praying. It's a genuine cry-out. God, I feel overwhelmed. Are you there? It could be like, Jonah saying, help me, God. Help me. I can hardly even put it into words. Just help me. Or it could be like a friend of mine who's, who, whose cry out was, God, if you're really there, show yourself to me. And God did in a way that was meaningful and drew him to Jesus. And he decided to become a believer. But Jonah had a cry out. Do you have a cry out moment? Maybe you're in the midst of a big storm yourself. Maybe it's a storm of relationship, as uh, Trish mentioned, some people we prayed for today. Maybe it's a financial storm. Maybe it's a storm about decision that you've got to make. 
cry out to God. Cry out from your heart. God, I, I need you. The next section of change in Jonah was verse 7. It says there, As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And to stop there. Oh, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. So Jonah started using his mind. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Part of being a Christian is to remember the things that God's already told you. To remember the things that you've already been through. And you look back and remember, I'm in a bad situation here now, but I've been in a bad situation before and God came through. And I remember that. And you remember, Jonah remembers the temple. What was the temple? The temple was a meeting house where God met the, the Israelites. He, God met his children in that meeting house. And there was an ark in there. And over the ark were a couple of angels, that wings that are almost touching. And underneath there, above the, the uh, gold plate there, the voice of God would speak. And Jonah is looking back to the temple and saying, yeah, I know that God has done things in the past. I know that he's spoken to me in the past. I know that he's spoken to, to his children before. I remember that. I'll hold on. And you start to open yourself up to the possibility that God is going to do something again. He's going to move on my behalf. Here I am drowning. I'm falling down deeper and deeper into this water. But I cry out to God and I remember him. I remember what he's done. I remember, look back. Sometimes you've got to look back before you look forward. And he remembered God. When God starts to be our focus, the true meaning of our lives comes into sharper focus. Everything starts to shift around. Oh, that's right. This is not as important as that. I'm not a perfect person. And Jonah started to realize that, okay, I'm in the wrong here. But fortunately, we can look to Christ, just like Jonah looked to the temple, because God replaced the whole temple way of doing things with his son. And he put his son in there as the link to, between him and his children. And we look to Jesus. We look to the fact that Jesus paid for our sins. Just like in the Old Testament, they used to sacrifice lambs every year at the temple. But God said, that's not good enough. I'm, I'm going to do a better sacrifice. And we look to Jesus. And he was Jonah's substitute for the growing sense that he was in the wrong. He was ready to repent, to preach repentance to the Ninevites because they were in the wrong. And then he had to realize, no, I'm in the wrong. I don't have the same attitude that God has. And he looked to the temple. And then finally in verses 8 and 9. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. So the Ninevites worshipped false gods and they were turning their back on God's mercies and they were going to be destroyed. And Jonah was going there to tell them, no, turn around, turn around, face the other way. That's what repentance is, turning back to God. And some of us need to do that too because Jonah only just realized while he was about to die that he needed to turn around. And he needed to leave his false gods of all, all his own performance. And he needed to face God. Because he was, he was shutting off God's mercy himself. What's the next part of that verse? 
please, verse 8 and 9. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. I will fulfill all my vows. And here's the magic word. My salvation comes from the Lord alone. And that's a, uh, that's a major point for all of us in, the, in our walk of grace is to realize that there's nothing other than God who saves us. We don't bring anything to the table except our broken heart. Do you get grace? Do you really grasp that there's nothing you can do? There's no to-do list, uh, no list of good deeds, no psychic power or incantation. There's no money you can pay, no spiritual pilgrimage you can make to Spain or anywhere else. There's nothing you or I can do that can make God obliged to love us. There's nothing we can do where he says, right, I'm really impressed with that. You don't need Jesus. You're just straight in. God is under no obligation to love you and you do not deserve his gift of eternal life. Wow. Thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Look at Colossians 1.6. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You know that when you know you will understand God's grace when your life is changed. When you truly understand God's grace, suddenly we're into freedom. We sang about freedom in a song earlier. So in 1748, there was a, an English guy who was sailing in a boat from Africa back to England. He had just been saved in, from a, uh, a black slave family in uh, a black family that was that had slaves. He'd been saved from them. He'd been a slave of theirs for three years. He'd been an abused slave. And he was also a slave trader himself. He'd just been trapped in his own web. And he, for three years he'd suffered as a slave. That would make a difference. That was a storm in his life. Someone in England heard about it, wanted to know where he was. Go and find where he is. And someone found him and rescued him. And then on the way back to England, they came and hit a storm, just like Jonah's storm, massive storm. And they were going to sink. The boat was in trouble, was starting to break up. What did he do? What would you do? He cried out to God. He cried out to God, save me. God, my life is an absolute ruin. Please, save me. I need you. Just after he prayed, the storm started to die down. And then he arrived in England, and in a short while, he had given up the slave trade. And then later, he became uh, an associate of William Wilberforce. He started to work for the abolition of slavery and the stopping of slaves, the slave trade. And then he became the uh, curator and then rector of a, a couple of Anglican churches in England. And while at one of them, and he, he was writing songs, and one of them he wrote, started with the words, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. John Newton wrote that song. 
after he got grace, after he understood grace. It was grace that taught my heart to fear, fear God alone. And grace, my fears relieved. My fear of everything else, because compared to God, it's nothing. This storm is nothing. Whatever storm you're going through right now, it's nothing. Compared to the grace and the glory of God. Cry out to Him. Cry out to Him. God, I know you're bigger than this. I know you have an answer. Grace, God's grace will change your life. And he made a recommitment of his vow. Maybe you have never made a commitment of a vow to God before. Maybe you need to do that today. Maybe you have, but you need to make a recommitment like Jonah did. Maybe grace is something that you need to really feed on in a new way, a fresh way. And that's what Jonah had to do. Secondly, we need to have grace toward other people. Not just in behavior and word, but in heart attitude. How should you think about that person that is really hard to get along with, that is easy to hate? You may not be a racist, but you may not share God's gracious love for them. Is there someone in your world who is undeserving and who you're under no obligation to do anything nice for, but God wants you to bless them? Because kindness, that undeserved kindness, changes everything, changes human hearts. And you could be changing a heart, even as John Newton's heart was changed, even as Jonah's heart was changed. Look in Matthew 5, verse 45. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. God is supernatural. He is not natural. And when we act in grace like our, our Father does, and his DNA is in us, in our spirits, when we do that, we are bringing people into direct contact with God. Because apart from God, there is no grace. Grace and truth came to earth in Christ. Before that, it wasn't there. It was legal, law. And this world desperately needs supernatural grace. Are you desperately in need of God's mercy right now yourself? Maybe you can relate more to the Ninevites than to Jonah. Sometimes I know I've done something wrong and I know that God's telling me, don't do that. And yet he still loves me. In the midst of that storm, we cry out to God. So, God used Jonah to tell a group of people that they needed to stop. But as soon as Jonah got grace, as soon as he understood that his salvation was not dependent on him, but on God alone. God said, right, that's it, out, and ordered the fish to vomit him out. And then he went on his way, 800 kilometers to think about what happened before he arrived and preached. And sure enough, the people repented and turned to God, which we'll find out next week when we read 
chapter 3 together. Maybe read chapter 3 during the week. See what things God says to you. But right now, let's pray. Lord, we turn to you. And if you're here, somebody who's never opened the door of your heart and cried out to God, then I invite you to do that today. And to come up here after the service and and someone will pray with you and encourage you. All of us have prayed this prayer at some point. All of us believers have prayed this prayer at some point. I invite you to pray this with us as we say this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. I'm so undeserving. And yet you love me. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. Please take all of my sin and put them onto your son at the cross. And I dedicate myself afresh to living for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.